Okay, welcome to Tanya Inside Out. We are up to chapters 36, 37 today. It's quite intense to do 36, 37 together. Is well, The truth is 37 is the longest chapter in Tanya. That is the physically the, the takes up the most letters in Tanya. Um, not the most complex, but the most, the most, uh, the longest. And 36 um, is just basically what we're doing now is we're explaining with a deeper, uh, with a, a, a bit more of a parish, what it means, dear Batachtoinim. And it's so important to understand this because this is what the Rebbe, this is what the Alter Rebbe says is the purpose for existence. The reason why Hashem made the world is because he had a taiva for a dira patachtoinim, for a dwelling place in the lower realms. What does it mean, taiva? This is really important. How do we define taiva? We all have them, <laughs> but what are they? So a taiva is beyond reason. The ultimate tiver that we have, the truest tiver that we have, can anyone fill in the blank, is to? No. Maybe that that, that would be true in the Nefesh and the Kis, but we don't experience that. The truest tiver that we have is to? Be one with Hashem? Not, not in our conscious. That, that is not wrong. That's what Simon just said. On oh. our, on our human level, the ultimate time that we have is to live. That's a tiger. And as we said many, many times, why do you want to live? I don't know. Just want to live. No reason why you want to live. We, the, we 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 make up reasons, but that's only because we want to live. That's a tither. So it means it's something much more real. Like your desire to live is much more real than your desire to have a BMW or whatever, whatever tickles your fancy today, which might be different tomorrow. That's a re that's really real. So like, you know, our wives turn around and they say, I want, you know, I want this new dress. And you you just bought a dress. Like, why you just, why do you need another dress? And they've got no reason. And so you think it's silly, but it's the actual, it's the exact opposite. Because they don't have a reason, it's not silly at all. It's them. It's really an expression of who they are. That's what it means, a tither. So when we say that Hashem had a tither for a, a dwelling place in the lower realms... You can't, just like you can't say to us, well, why do you want to live? You can't say to him, well, why did you want a, a dwelling place in the lower realms? It's beyond logic. Logic was a product of that tither. Logic came from the fact that he wanted that. So you can't try and attach a reason to it because logic is much lower down. So that's a very important thing to understand. This is when we're talking about that he was misava. It's so important, that word. He was misava the dirbatachtoinim. He, he had a tither for a dirbatachtoinim. It was an expression of his essence. Just like, let, let's say you get it in your head or whatever it is, you want to paint your room blue. You're not like, it's, 
that's that's an expression of who you are, as opposed to like you want to get a a certain car because it's good with its mileage, it's good with its uh, it has good mileage or whatever it is. That's already a reason. So this is this is the foundation of creation is that it's predicated on a taiva, a taiva meaning it's an expression of the Rabbeinu Shloilim himself. It's not any kind of reason. There is no reason to it. It's much higher than that. And what does it mean in the lowest realms? What does it mean that Hashem was misava for a dir in the lowest realms? It's obviously not talking spatially. It doesn't mean higher and lower, like alpi space. It's referring to the lowest place, meaning a place where the creatures in that place are able to deny his existence, basically. A place where there's so much klipa and sitra achra that the, the, the sense of selfhood has, has become so, so intense that the creatures of that realm are actually able to deny the existence of him. That's called the lowest realm. And it's interesting because it's called dira betachtoinim. Why doesn't it just say dira betachtoin? Because that's the whole Indian, the, the Rashusha Rabim, the Reboy, that's the Sitra Achra, that's the, the world of multiplicity, the world that we live in. So he desired a Dir Batachtoinim. That's what his desire was. Now, what is the means that Hashem created that allows us to bring him into his world? What's the tool that he gave us? Yeah. Torah and mitzvahs. That is how we unite the infinite creator with the finite world. That's how we give him his dirabatach toinim. Okay, so that was basically uh, an overview of the class. So we'll, we'll, let's jump in now. So there's what's called the Seder Hishtaushlus. It's a very important concept in Chasidus, in Chasidus Chabad. Seder Hishtaushlus. Hishtaushlus is referring to a chain. So it's like a, a chain. It's referring to this chain-like downward chain. Now, the, the very important point of a chain is that the top part of a chain, the top link of a chain, is made of two things. It's made of itself and the bottom part of the link above it. The middle part of the chain is exclusively itself. And the bottom link of that chain is made of itself and the highest link above that. And that's exactly how it works. That's exactly how it works. That the higher level enters into the lower level. And then the lower level enters back into the level below that. The lowest, le the lower, the lowest level of that, of that lower level. And it goes on and on. And that's what it means, means say the Hishtaushlus. So the worlds come down in that Seder Hishtaushlus until we end up. Now, I'm, see, this is a, I'm not sure about this bit that I'm about to say now, because there's, there's contradicting things in, from what I've seen from, in, from the Alter Rebbe. And it appears to me that the physical world, as we see it, Shangavil, the physical world as we see it is actually a chiddush, not from the say the hishdalshlus, but I'm, I'm I've I'm, I've I've heard too many times the opposite of that to say that with authority. 
um, the 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 most the traditional most 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 common way of understanding it is that the worlds come down and down and down until we end up with this physical phenomenological world of our senses that we inhabit, which is our day to day world. But the point is that this low world is a place that proclaims that it itself is an independent ontological reality. It exists because it exists. And it's that realm where the Reboina Shoilim, so to speak, wants to, wants to come into. And there's a lot, we'll, we'll talk about that. Now, that is called transforming the darkness into light. The darkness of this world is actually becomes the fuel, so to speak, for the light of God. It's dafka the darkness of this world that allows it's it's dafka the darkness of this world that allows Hashem to be able to um, to uh, merge fuse with this world. Why? Because all the higher worlds are. They, they have very varying levels of transparency. Every world above our world, when you look at that world, so to speak, you're very aware of the creator. They're transparent and they get more and more transparent until it's see this, which is which is like a, a piece of glass, mamash, completely transparent. So we go up and up and the, the worlds get more and more transparent. That's not very godly because those worlds basically proclaim I am not an independent reality. I am an I am a nivra, I am being created by the creator. I am a dependent reality. That's the opposite of God. God is an independent reality. So these worlds are actually, in a sense, much more different to God than our world. Because our world says, I am an independent reality. You look at this world and it doesn't say, oh, I'm being created by God every second. It doesn't say that. You look at this world and it says to you, I, I created myself in a sense. I mean, you've got a lot of Hefa, you've got a lot of Hefa in the world right now who tell us that the world created itself or whatever. That is very godly. You with me? That is very godlike. That's this this world is godlike in the fact that it has Elohim Acherim. There's not Elohim Acherim in other worlds. Elohim Acherim is a word that we use to describe God. That's one of God's names, Elohim. So this world is a world of Elohim Acherim, meaning that is very godly, and that is the darkness of this world. That is Dafka, the Choshech of this world, this, the fact that this world proclaims itself to be a Dava Bifne Atzmoy. And it's because of that that the Rabbeinu Shloilam can actually come into this world. And it's the burning up of that kind of self-autonomy, that independence, that self, that proclaimed self-independence that means that Hashem can actually stim with this world much more than the higher worlds. And that's what we're referring to when we're talking about the 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 trans the transforming of darkness into light. 
it's because it's compatible with him. That's why it shares his name, Elohim Achirim. It's actually compatible with him. And that's like what Romanus made up. It was kind of a joke, but he said it. I think I said it before, is that the, the fact that we've become so egotistical in this generation, so kind of godlike, we feel ourselves to be so godly, is so that when Hashem finally pulls a curtain away, we'll have a point of reference and we'll go, ah, I thought I was God. Now I understand. I thought it was all about me. Oh, it was not about me. It's about him. As opposed to that, as opposed to just being a bottle per I didn't think I was God in any way. And then it's like, wow, it's a Shvira. That's one of the things he said. It's an interesting idea. Um that that revelation is taking place as we work through, as we do our voiders in this world, as we're Makaim Toy Mitzvahs in this world, that is, and we're going to discuss the process in a minute, that, that is the turning of the darkness into light. And the ultimate revelation of that will be Yomoyse Mashiach, and Dafkut, the end of Yomoyse Mashiach, in Tchiyas Amesim, when the darkness would have been transformed into light, and we will be living differentiated creatures who are utterly aware of the Bonashlonum. There will be no more there will be no more ability to say that God doesn't exist. Um and I think even more importantly, there'll be no ability to say that God is Allah or God is Jesus or God is any of these other things. That's more important than say God isn't is to stop saying that he is this or he is that. He just is. And that's that's um I'm wondering who's gonna have the ruder awakening, the atheists or the uh or the uh the other religions. I don't know. We'll, well how does that fit how does that fit with the Rambam who says that Christianity and Islam are essential to spreading monotheism throughout the world? They've spread they've spread morality in a sense. I mean that could also be argued. Um but I suppose compared to what, because in his day, there was no such thing as atheism. There was just like paganism and like, it was even worse. I, I don't know, but I'm, the, the you, you what I'm saying, like you could argue with me for sure, but you could also understand that saying that God is nothing, saying God is nothing is closer. It's like, sounds like saying God is no thing. That's, that's very holy. Yeah. And and it's not like they believe that there is no power. They believe in the power of economics. They believe in the weather. They believe in social climate. They believe in you know the uh, the elders of of Zion. They believe in all the, the these other powers. So in real truth, they are. They're also polytheists in a sense. Maybe what you're saying again, atheism we know is the most destructive force in history. Right, the the greatest mass murderers of all time were atheists: Hitler, Stalin, Mao. Right. Yeah. Uh, like Kelmer, Rouge, or whatever. So perhaps what you're saying is that once you've gotten morality through religion, then the next step step is what's called like ethical yes. atheism, which is only a product of religion. Yes. Right? The only reason people are, they say, well, it's, of course you wouldn't hurt another person. Yeah. So the reason for that is because you grew up indoctrinated with Jewish values. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I got 100%. I'm with you 100%. And part two, part two yeah. is that you're wealthy. You're wealthy. Because as soon, yeah. As soon as you take away wealth, then those people who claim to be ethical atheists start killing each other. 
very quickly. I, I suppose I was talking not so much on a practical level, but more on a kind of philosophical level. Just the idea of dissolving this idea of God is this, God is that. And that, that was really like, look, practically, I don't know what's better or worse. I don't know. The, the, the religion has done a pretty good job throughout the ages, causing its fair amount of destruction. You know what I mean? It's not like, a, you know, it's not like the, the Christians are big Sadiqim generally. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the, the there was a there was a time in history when there was this revelation that already took place, basically. That was called Matan Torah. Matan Torah, Hashem, the, the revelation at Matan Torah was what we what I've learned is going to be similar to the revelation that's going to be at the end of days when we go through Mashiach and through Tchias and whatever. But the difference is, and this is the Ikka, is what happened when there was that revelation at, at Har Sinai? What happened? We couldn't handle it. So the difference between the revelation of Har Sinai and the, and the revelation by Yemoyse Mashiach is that we will be able to endure it. And that's going to, that's taken 3,336 years of, of, you know, of torture and, and of avoider and of all kinds of crazy things. And that's built the Kalim that we're going to have now to be able to receive and to experience that awe without being this battle, to, without being nullified into it. So that that's that's basically the difference there. Um, how were we brought back to life when we did get obliterated at Har Sinai? Was with the Tal Torah, the dew, the dew, D-E-W, of Torah. And um, I'm not sure what that really is, to be honest. i got some ideas, but I'm not definitely not qualified to talk about it. Uh, but I think I'll, I'll mention that it is the same Indian Dew is Tal, Tamad, uh, Tess, Lamad, which is Lamad Tess, which is to do with the Lamad Tess Malachas. And it's Dafka to do with the Lamad Tess Malachas that we are able to be Makabo, like the, the base of Migdash is built through the Lamad Tess Malachas. And that's the home that houses God. So that's also, that that's, that's, um, a big part of the Indian that 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 was how we got brought back to life to the the dew of Torah, whatever that means. Okay, so the Rebbe explains schar mitzvah mitzvah that the schar of a mitzvah is a mitzvah, and it's exactly what we're talking about here. Because what's this revelation of God in the world? The revelation of the Bonesholim is when we do Torah mitzvahs. Torah and mitzvahs are the revealed, the revealed, they're, they're, that's and Hashem. We call that and Hashem, yeah? That's what he really wants. So we can ask the question, why is there grass? And why is there cows? And why is there like, like stuff you make ink from? Because Hashem needed to fill in. So that's the reason why there's grass and the reason why there's cows and et cetera. That's one of the reasons why people have hands. The, 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 the mitzvahs, the creation, we've said many times, creation is a means to an end. And the end is the mitzvahs. So we've, remember, we've learned that we've got what's called the panemius ratzon, which is what he really wants, or what you really want for its own sake. And then chetzonius ratzon, which is a means to an end.
So all of creation is chetzoinius aratzon. Creation is a means to an end, and the end is his mitzvahs. So when we do a mitzvah, that is a revelation of the Rabbanu Shalom in this world. That's as simple as that. So it says, schar mitzvah mitzvah, when we understand that the point of creation is the revelation of God, then we see, what does it mean? The schar of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. That was the revelation of God. That mitzvah revealed God. So that mitzvah itself is its schar. So you've got like, like babyish schar, like um, the teacher says, clean the classroom and you'll all get a, a lollipop. There's no Kesha between cleaning the classroom and the lollipop. She could have said lollipop. She could have said, I'll, I'll buy a Ferrari. She could have said, I'll send you to the Caribbean for three weeks. There was no, there's no connection between the lollipop and the clean classroom. Whereas the teacher's reward for the clean classroom is the clean classroom. So we understand that the point of creation is that Hashem the, is the Dira B'tachtoinim, and this is really when the Dira B'tachtoinim philosophy separates itself deeply from the Eridus Adorus, the other, the, the more, more mainstream philosophies in Yiddishkeit, is because the, the, the Tachlis of creation is that Hashem's essence is revealed in this world. That's what a mitzvah is. It's a revelation of his ratzon in this world. So what, now you want a lollipop as well? You need oilam haba? You just, you just reveal God in his world. That's it. That's what it's about. There's also oilam haba. But, but for that to be the motivating factor is like, it's not, it's not, the, it's not, it's not the real motivating factor. That's what it means, schar mitzvah mitzvah. And you could say that in regards to you cannot you can describe it in two ways that you're either bringing Hashem down to this world or you're bringing this world up to Hashem. It's the same, whatever. It's just semantics. Um, okay, so the order of Aliyah. Now I don't know if ever, anyone remembers we've spoken about the Nefesh of Bahamas, yeah. Now you can't do anything. I think you can think without the Nefesh of Bahamas. But you can't move your lips without the nefesh of Bahamis. The nefesh of Lakis is too, um, it's too ruchni, it's too adin. How do you say that? It's too refined, it's too abstract to be able to actually move the goof. So he can't even move the lips, let alone the hands. Now, this is a very important point. We, I think we've mentioned it, but anybody remembers the difference between the Goyesha nefesh of Bahamis and the Yiddish nefesh of Bahamis? Just yeah. So the, the difference between the Goyish and Nefesh Bahamas and Klippus and Bahamas and the Goyish and the Yiddish and Nefesh Bahamas is the difference between a kosher piece of meat and a trafe piece of meat. And you cannot tell the difference between a kosher piece of meat and a trafe piece of meat. If it was the same, I mean, I'm not talking about going to a different restaurant. I mean, the same restaurant, one piece of meat the, 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 the behemoth got shechted in a non-kosher way, and the other piece of meat, the behemoth got shechted in a kosher way. It's the same cut. It was cooked by the same chef in the same with the same utensils, whatever, yeah? They look the same. They taste the same. They smell the same. They cost the... Everything's the same, yeah? 
that's really the difference between the, the human element of the Jew and the and the non-Jew. They they for all intents and purposes, they're the same, but but there's a world of difference. One's kosher, one's treif. Meaning the kosher piece of meat can be elevated. The treif piece of meat can't be elevated. And that's the reason why the Nefesh of Bahamis of the Jew is kosher, comes from Klippus Neuger, it's available to Kedusha, and the, and the Nefesh of Bahamis of the non-Jew is not kosher, it's an Klippus Timaeus. Why? Because that's our primary avoider in this world, is raising up that that being, that energy. So everything that we do, every mitzvah we do, we are raising it up or we're bringing Hashem down, whatever you want. We're merging it. It becomes merged with God. That wouldn't take place. That couldn't take place if it was from Klippus Timaeus. That's why the, the, the animating energy of the Jew is from the from the, the translucent Klippus from the Klippus, from Klippus Neuger, as opposed to from the Klippus Timaeus. Because we are raising up in every single thing that we're doing. Everyone's with me? You got that point? That's a very, that's a very uh, point. Michael, you heard that? You got the idea? Michael, Michael, you with me? You heard, you heard what we just said? You missed it. Catch the replay because that's a very, very important point. I don't usually say, but that, that really is a very important. That's a foundational uh, nakuda in Yiddish coin. Um, so now, just as an interesting point, we we spoke about how even the lips moving. This is why it's so important to speak out Torah when you're learning. You should never, ever, unless you're like in the bedroom with your wife and she's asleep. Yeah, then maybe you shouldn't speak. Yeah, but. Kozman, you can just even then you can mutter. You should uh, you should be putting the words out of your mouth. And the more you, the louder you say it, the more you get the goof involved, the better it is. And another thing is Hazara. Hazara going over it again and again and again. The Rebbe says that it's the clipper of the goof that forgets the Torah. The goof that the the um, the goof is like uh, it's gashmius, yeah, which goes down. So the nature of the goof is to forget stuff. That's the nature of the goof. So so the inion of Hazara is a is a ticken of the it's a ticken of the clipper. It's a ticken of your clipper to forget by going over things again and again and again. What's the key to be able to go over things again and again and again? How can we motivate ourselves to be able to hazard the same thing again and again and again and again? Don't ask these four words. What do I think? Don't have an opinion. Don't say, oh, I can't, I just can't do this. I don't know. Just that, that's, um, what was that book? Um, um, what was it called? Is it atomic? Yeah, Atomic Habits. You've heard that book, Atomic Habits? Fabulous book, a fantastic book. And one of the he talks about about great, the great, the greats of anything is they could practice 
over and over and over and over. And they just, they, they didn't ask themselves the question, well, how do I feel about that I'm doing this again? We're constantly asking ourselves that question. You realize that? How do I feel about this? How does this make me feel? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Am I... No. If we can, if we can get over that, that questioning that we always do to ourselves and look, you have to do it. I have to go. I've set myself. I'm going to go through this 10 times. Don't ask yourself the question. How am I feeling about this? And that's a very, very good segula to be able to go through it again and again and again and again. And conversely, if you are asking yourself, well, how do I feel about this? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Yeah, that's a segula for going through it maybe once, maybe not even once. But the, the, Reb, is, the Reb is kind of highlighting here that there's a big ticken taking place in Chazara. It's not just that you remember it. It's not just that you become one with it. It's that you're going against the grain of the Klippa. You're fixing the Klippa because it's so hard. Because the Klippa is just sitting there saying, I don't want to do this. I can't do this again. And, 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 and the Klippa forgets as well. So by by the by by going through it again and by speaking it out louder, you're actually being massacred the clipper more and more. Okay, but then he goes on Vita and he says, not only do we do we raise up the nefesh of Bahamas, but obviously we also raise up all the food and the drink and the and the kalim that we're using. Like right now, if you think about what's going on, there's six of us here. Yeah, we're all using computers. And what? Oh, and yeah, no, yeah, yeah, little computers. Yeah, that, that, you realize how much stuff has gone into these devices that we're looking at right now. When you compare, go back 200 years to the shtetl, you know, you'd have a bunch of guys sitting in a shawl with a few candles, some wooden tables that got brought in from, you know, from, from the village two, two miles away. Now we're sitting... You know, between us, there's probably, you know, 15,000 miles of space between us with with think of all the graphite and the plastic and the metal in the actual machshev in the computer. And then think about the actual Internet and the, the factories that produce the energy. And then the, the little Chinese people who developed it all, you know, with their with their with with. And it's just mind boggling to think about the 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 rate of the conversion of this world to Kedusha in our generation because of things that we're doing right now. Maybe that answers up why Hashem through COVID pushed everyone deeper into the computers, even though you've got so many tzaddikim screaming against the computers, but Hashem pushed us all, you know, it's completely, you know, the world before COVID and after COVID is a much more of a computer. It was computer enough before COVID, but it's now much more computer now. So the 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 ticken of of this world right now is at a fever pitch. It's it's insane. It's insane how much is getting elevated. So that's the union of 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 drafting the things of this world into into avoidance of Hashem. That's that's doing exactly what we're speaking about. Um, and then the Rebbe says a very interesting point. Everyone knows how many neshamas there are. How many, how many Nishmas Yisrael? What's the number, the magic number we speak about? 600,000. 600, yeah, so there's 600,000 Nishamas, which divide up into sparks and bits and, you know, somehow it works out, whatever. Um, but this is very interesting. 
the world divides into 600,000 pieces. Every Yiddish and Neshama, and don't forget, we could be sharing a Neshama, by the way. There's a good chance that we actually are. When, when you're learning with each other, there's a good chance that you, you're part of the same Neshama. But either way, the, each Neshama, each of the 600,000 Neshamas, has a chalik of the world, an actual portion of land that you could, like, divide out, and, and a chalik of the goyim as well a chalik of the nations, and a chalik of resources. And it all links up to, to each, each nishma Yisrael, each nishma of Yisrael is like a point. And from that point is attached endless pieces of this world. And if you were to take all 600,000 nishamas, you would see that every single thing of this world is connected through them. That's how it works. Imagine that if we actually knew when we were doing a mitzvah that, you know, I mean, divide 7 billion by 600,000. You've got, I did it one time. I think it's like about something like 2,000, something like that, yeah? you got like, on every single little thing you're doing, 2,000 non-Jews are going, whoop, straight up into, straight up into the Rebbeinu and and And, you know, and how many acres of land, how many thousands of miles of, of terrain and etc all of that stuff if we knew what was really hanging on our voider it would be an amazing uh an amazing motivation no maybe we'll see that one day um okay so now the revy basically kind of goes with what we've said and now goes in a slightly different direction talks about the mitzvah of tzedakah why is tzedakah in the in the in the gomorrah in the yushalmi mitzvah tzedakah is called mitzvah. When it just says the word mitzvah without any qualifying, without any, anything qualifying it, it's talking about tzedakah. Why is tzedakah basically considered the, the paradigm mitzvah? The mitzvah of all mitzvahs. And now that we've learned what we've just learned, it makes a lot of sense, why? Because- The ultimate revelation? Yeah, go on. If you're all, if the mitzvah you're saying is, I think you define the mitzvah as the relation of Hashem. I would assume that tzedakah, it, you're taking your own money, but your own money, quote unquote, and you're saying it's not yours. It's all Hashem's at the end of the day. Go further. What you're saying is true, and he already said that in, in chapter 34, I think. But but he goes now, what, what's the next level? That's true. But why tzedakah more? You're giving your money. Okay. But what he says is that when you earn money, you are using your mashava, your dibor, and your maisa. Your thought, your speech, and your action. Everything is involved in earning money. When you're learning Torah, you're really just using your mashava and your dibor. But your maisa doesn't get so involved. Especially nowadays in this generation, where earning money, especially in the developed countries, I mean, you're using your mind. You're really using your, you, you know, you're using yourself deeply. Now, tzedakah, the ikamitz of tzedakah being maisa, is we take 10% or up to 20%, but it's the, the point is it's an achuz, it's a percentage of the money that you earn. 
which means from every dollar you earn, you're giving away 10 cents, which means from every cent that you earn, you're giving away, I don't know what you call that, point, point 0.1 of a cent. You're giving away 10. The point is that because it's a percentage, it means every every drop of what you're doing is getting converted into mitzvah. You with me? That's what it means to take a percentage of something. It's in relationship to the other nine parts. So you take that one part from nine parts, that is a, that is Makadish, not only itself, but the other nine parts. So that is the ultimate revelation of God, Mitzvah Tzedakah. Because we spend 10 hours, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, whatever, LA, like three hours a day. Yeah, but we spend, we spend, we spend all of our time, yeah, earning this money. We use our thought, speech, and action. We're completely immersed. We turn around, we give our 10%. All of that time, all of that energy, all of that money goes. Straight up to the bonus It's a huge, huge ticker. A huge ticker. That's why it's called mitzvah. When we understand mitzvahs, we've just explained. Now you understand why tzedakah is just called mitzvah. Because it's well, the ultimate ticker in what we've just said. Why is that different than making a bracha on food that I earned with my hard-earned money that's now becoming part of me and I eat it l'shem shemayim for energy to serve Hashem? Because that's not an achuz, that's not being makadesh all 10 hours of your work. It's the achuz that went into buying that food. So he said, he actually says, actually, he says something like that. But but it's still the, the giving of the money. He says, if you're giving money and you're not, you're not earning the money, like let's say your father's supporting you and you give your money. He said that money could have been used to pay for food and it would be a ticket in that sense as well. But you're right. But also, I mean, the, the chart, you know, the, the 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 eating of food is not a mitzvah. If you're doing it, you know, if your life is dedicated to a and then then you would say that. But the actual giving of tzedakah is a mitzvah in and of itself. The giving of the food is predicated on 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 using that energy for Torah and Torah and avodah, or working to give. I mean the reason I'm bringing it up is because the eating of food is typically the example brought of how we lift up the entire world. Um, yeah, not not so much in Tanya. Not, he, I mean, brings it. Yeah, no, 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 no. It, it does. It for sure it does speak about it. But he also talks about the idea of raising up pleasure. Like when he first mentions a when he first mentions raising up this world, he does talk about eating. But he talks about not the energy it gives you. He talks about the pleasure it gives you so that your mind is more, go back to chapter six, you see what right. your mind is more open to, to learning and things like that. And then he talks about like Esroigim and, and Clough for the mezuzah. And he talks about lots of the, but eating for energy, he doesn't put a Duggish, he does speak of it, he doesn't put like a Duggish on it. In, like, in, in, in like his other writings, meaning in Lakuti Torah or whatever, yeah. Torah. When you take that, when you eat that bite of cow, you're lifting up 
all the grass and all the, that the cow ate, all the water and the sunlight that went into that grass, all the minerals that went into growing that grass. And now you're taking that energy and you're doing a mitzvah. You're lifted up the entire universe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that is is the that is the, the that's like the most like you said it's the most accessible way of understanding it at least, but but in the Tanya he's he doesn't go into it too much, so look we've got now we're 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 in a, this really could be a class by itself we're going to say this quite quickly but it really these are we're going to say some very profound ideas quite quickly, um, and it, it's a whole class unto itself but I'm going to say it quite quickly I think I think we'll be okay. Okay, the, basically the Rebbe now goes into a discussion about what's better, doing mitzvahs or learning Torah. And he gives us, in this chapter, I actually wrote an essay on this, and I, I think I found six, in, throughout the whole Tanya, there's six advantages of Torah over mitzvahs and one advantage of mitzvah over Torah. Um, but in this chapter, he gives three of them. Okay, so I'm just going to talk about these three and then the advantage of mitzvahs. The truth is we've learned the advantage of mitzvahs. We just said it. The advantage of mitzvahs is that you're bringing the lowest level of this world to Hashem, the level of Misa. Whereas Lima Torah doesn't attach, it doesn't get to Misa. The amount of Misa it gets to is the movement of your lips. That's not so much. Whereas when we're using the tefillin and the, and the, the energy of the goof and, 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 and the, the mezuzah and the esoig and, and uh, we're giving tzedakah, being male, the, the, all the, the shtadlis, the avoider. Yeah, that's obviously. So, so that's, the, that's not only one mile of mitzvahs over Torah, but it's the, it's the ultimate. That's what the world's about. That he, the Rebbe wants a dear b'tachtoinim. So that's the ikka. That is the ikka. But what are the milers of Torah over? Because what what is the miler of Torah over mitzvahs? Um, okay. So the first one he says is levushim pnimiim. We call them three things. Yeah. Number one is levushim pnimiim. Number two is called hishafchus hamahusachabad. The 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 transformation of the essence of the of the chabad of the of the motion of the intellect. And then Ikachias. Okay. So um, Levushim Panimium is meaning the Levushim, Mashavadibo Maisa, thought, speech, and action, which is behavior, are layered. Just like you have an undershirt, and you have a shirt, then you have a recho or whatever. Yeah. Clothing works on layers. So obviously, the layer, the behavior that's closest to the goof. The behavior that's closest to the Nishama is, is thought. Then the next level is speech. And then the most outer garment is, is, um, is action. Okay. So when we learn Torah, we engage the two inner garments, thought and speech. When we do mitzvahs, primarily, we are engaging the lower garment of action. So that's one of the miles over Torah, then mitzvahs. Okay, number two, this is a really beautiful idea, is we actually flip over the essence of the Chabad. So it's like this. See, when you're doing a mitzvah, let's say you're davening, yeah? And 
you don't really feel like davening and you've got the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, that was yesterday, no? Who won? Um, Who played? The Chiefs, the Chiefs won. Who? I believe the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, okay. Well, I don't even know the Super Bowl is American football, yeah? Okay. Muzzle tough to the Chiefs. It should be... Because I hate this. Should very much go from strength to strength. Okay. Well, you owe me a hundred bucks now. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So let's say you wanted to go and watch the Chiefs play with the other team, yeah. And but you had to daven. So you force yourself to daven. But Colesman, you're davening. Your midas want to be with the chiefs you're in shul but your your heart is with the chiefs you're forcing your heart to daven i mean he's sitting there with you but he's there like going oh, i just want to get out of here let's just, just do this quick and we'll go and we'll be watching the game yeah so you didn't really change over the midas when you do a mitzvah you force your heart to do the thing but it doesn't change the heart. The heart's still by the pizza or with the chiefs or doing whatever he's doing, yeah? You with me? So you can do a mitzvah, but your emotions are in a different place. That's not the same when you're learning Torah. When you're learning Torah, your mind becomes the Torah. The Torah becomes your mind. It's a different thing. And, and we've got a moshul in our generation, an amazing, amazing moshul, yeah? Um, everyone know like, computers work on what's called binary, binary form, I think it's called. Yeah, binary form means that everything you see in a computer is always a series of on and off switches, the screen you're seeing right now with the 300 million colors that you're looking at right now is a series of like squillions and squillions of switches switched to on, off, on, off, on, off. That's how it works. Everything boils down to on, off on a computer. Actual switches, physical switches, they fit. They're really, really small, yeah? And they fit millions and trillions of them in like teeny little places. But that's how it works. It's on and off switches. Whether you're what, whether you're looking at uh, letters or numbers or colors or images, whatever you're looking at, yeah? It's always, you could always boil it down to an endless line of on on off on on off off on off on off on 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 off off on on off off you with me everyone understands that concept once you understand that concept now this is the this is a very very good marshal everyone's with me right now so every piece of information on a computer can always be described as a series of on off on off on off now, that means that the information, call that the software, and the hardware, which is the switches, 
is the same thing. You wouldn't say, when I have the switches configured like this, you get this picture. Now, when I change this switch, by definition, the picture changes because the picture is a manifestation of the configuration of the switches. That's all it is. So if you change the picture, the switches are changed. And if you change the switches, the picture is different. They're the same, it's the same thing. You with me? That's what it means. I love that muscle. I think the Alter Rebbe would have fallen in love with that muscle. That's what it means. His hafchus hamahus hachabad. The transformation of the essence of your seichel, of your moichin. It's the same Indian is when you're learning Torah and it's you've learned this Mishnah with Rabbi Lazar and, and, and Rabbi Yehuda and Anna, your brain forms in a certain way, in a certain configuration. And when you change the information, your brain reconfigures and forms into a different formation. It's not like when you're davening and the Midas want to go and eat the pizza or want to watch the football. You're davening and you're forcing the Midas. But when you're learning Torah, the actual Chabad of the brain becomes the Torah. Everyone got that? It's you're saying because your brain is a tool that has no will of its own, it does it forms to whatever it is that you're putting into it. No, that that's one part, and the other part was the way that we described the the relationship between information and the hardware. But they're one. Not unique, it's not unique to Torah. It's just unique oh, to brain. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, you're right. But we, that's that's why we're talking about learning Torah. Learning Torah, you turn over the mahus of the when you when you're not learning Torah and you're learning something else, you're not turning over the mahus of the. It's staying as it is because it's just forming to something of of this world, some something, some other, some hotmachetzonius. You with me? And finally, the the last one it says is the ikachias is that the the energy in your mind, the energy in your brain, basically, your when you when you hurt your finger. Yeah, you feel it in your brain. That's why I always wondered about that. How could they, how do painkillers work? Because as a kid, I used to think that painkillers were like just so clever that they like went into your body and they found where the pain was and they kind of like worked it out. But they don't do that at all. They just go to the place in your brain which feels pain and turns it off. That's what a painkiller is. It doesn't do anything in your body. It does everything in your brain. So there's a place in your brain that feels the pain in the finger, in the toe, in the knee, in the... So when you take a painkiller, the painkiller doesn't... The, the chemicals don't go to the place in the goof. It just turns off that place in the brain. And then you don't feel pain. So... The energy contained within the mind is... Koilel all the energy of the goof. So when you're touching the Torah, you're touching the, so to speak, you're like, like 
hot air is energy, yeah? Hot air is energy. Also, cold air is energy. Like when you take electricity, you can plug it into, you can plug in your um, oven or you could plug in your air conditioner, or you could plug in your computer. Within that energy, within that electricity, is the potential for heat and cold and light and all the different things. So, so to speak, in a sense, when we're learning Torah, we're plugging into the Chashmal. We're touching the Chashmal. We're touching the electricity, which is koilo all of the energies. When we're doing mitzvahs, it's like, we're taking that energy in a certain form, like the like heat or like cold. It's a certain manifestation of that energy, but it's not the actual energy itself. You with me? No, you didn't get that. Okay, we're gonna. Uh, leave I, like, I like that painkiller muscle. The painkiller hits, goes straight to the brain. I get it. So the Torah is like this. No, 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 that was a, you're from the other side. Meaning that the brain experiences the whole body. Okay. Your hand doesn't experience your foot. Okay. When your foot hurts, your hand is cool. Okay. But when your foot hurts, your brain experiences that pain. Meaning your brain is koilel. Everything is nichlal, is, is, is within, is included within the brain. The energy okay. of the entire body is included within the brain. Whereas the separate limbs, they've got their own energy. They've got their own, okay. doing their own thing. That's the difference in Torah and Mitzvahs. The Torah is the, 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 um, the koilel of the energy, the, all of the energy inclusive in a potential form. Whereas the mitzvahs are like the hands and the feet where they've got their own energy, but you can't compare it to the energy within the brain. So that's another difference. That's another reason why Torah is higher than mitzvahs is that we're touching the main power source in Torah. Whereas in mitzvahs, we're, we're touching the power, the, the power, the power already formed into a certain a certain form okay bye michael and then the final thing we're just gonna say is that well basically that's it really he 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 just very beautifully ends off chapter 37 by the way we covered a lot of uh we covered a lot of tanya just now we covered pages and pages that the the he ends off in in chapter 37 by saying that Learning Torah is called Hashem, calling Hashem. It's it's a really beautiful thing to think about when you're learning Torah. It's like you're calling out to Hashem. Any Torah you're learning, and that's really how we should be learning Torah. We should be learning Torah with a with a with a with a with a yearning. It's not just like it's such a haval, you know, the kids in yeshiva. But yeah, it's like, you know, like, you know, someone said, like, you know, marriage, the chuppah is wasted on kids. You know, if you knew what, you know, if you knew what the chuppah was, well, you know, once you imagine getting married at 50, 60 years old and you've been married for 40 years already, you know, and you know what it is. It, it's the same thing is, is that learning Torah should be undertaken. It, it is calling Hashem. The Torah is names of Hashem. Yeah, that, that is what the Torah is. It's one big name of Hashem. 
So learning Torah is calling to Hashem. And it's the famous part in the Tanya where he says it's much higher than shouting out Abba, Abba. That idea of calling out Abba, Abba, which is which other Hasidists hold is, is the Kodesh Kedoshim, the Tanya seems to say uh, not like that. That our Ica, our Ica connection to the Bon Shalom should be through Tehillim, through through um, through Lima the Torah, through Havana the Torah, through being massive deep in Yanim. And, but 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 and this is the big but, it should be un, it should be undertaken with a Bikush, with Bon Shalom. Like when you read a halacha and you don't understand it, yeah, then it. It should go back and 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 and, and, and realize that we're we're searching for the Rabbonish Shloim in his Torah. That's what Torah is, and that's what the Rebbe says: being you're calling out to the Rabbonish Shloim. It's a very it's a very helpful thing to keep that in mind when we're learning Torah. That it's it's, it's all everything we're learning should be bechinas bikush, longing, searching, calling. Calling out. Okay, See, Gabriel says that we should do a sikum at the end of every shear, but oh. it would take about half an hour to do that. So I'm going to save you guys. You can catch a rerun. But Bekitza, well, what a, but, yeah. but just Bekitza is we said the Ica thing is, Hashem had a taiva. Like we have a taiva to live, he has a taiva for And the way we do that, is by Torah and mitzvahs. And the Rebbe went into details about the difference, etc. But that's basically the, that that's chapters, really it's chapters 35, 36, 37. And next week, well, I'm in, I'm in the States next week, but maybe, or maybe I'll give it live. Maybe we'll give the class live. Um, we're going to go into chapters um, 38, 39 and 40, which are for sure the most difficult chapters of Tanya. Okay, and we'll try and maybe do them all in one class, but you have to you hold on to your seats. But we'll hopefully we'll get it quite clear. But um, but now we're going to talk about how important kavana of the mitzvah is. We've been talking about how important the action of the mitzvah is, yeah, which is paramount. But then he's going to switch gear and say, but don't forget the kavana of the mitzvah is also uh, very very important. Yeah, sorry, Gabriel. Where does Tefillah come in? Because he's basically saying Torah and mitzvahs is the Iker. That's the way we call, call out to Hashem. What's Tefillah? 